Well, good morning, church. Welcome to Online Church. I am so glad that you joined us here this morning and um, want to jump into today's teaching. Really excited. Uh, we're doing a study of Ephesians. I've heard from many of you that uh, you were been, you've been reading through Ephesians 1 this week and how every day God was kind of showing you something new and something different. So we're going to continue in that today. Let me give you a couple quick announcements. One is, parents, if you have kids at home, don't forget right now is a perfect time for you to go over to YouTube or Right Now Media and check out Kids Church. We've got Kids Church that is ready and waiting for you, so give them a device, a phone, iPad, something that they can watch while you're watching this. So if you want to get your kids set while I give these few announcements, it would be a perfect time to do that. Also, uh, for our parents of our older kids, reminder, tonight, youth group is online on Zoom. There's a Zoom meeting at 6.30 that will be youth group. Uh, Eden has planned some pretty fun stuff. There's a scavenger hunt to do uh, online and then a, a lesson that she's picked that's really good. So I'll be online and uh, Eden will be online 6.30. Check out the uh, Facebook page if you need the link or send Eden a message. Also want to remind you that uh, for those of you who may be new, that right up above here it says connect with us if you're looking at the online platform. But um, if you'll hit that and just give us some information about who you are, it's just going to ask you name, phone, and email. Um, and if you have any questions about the church, if you have prayer requests, any of those kind of things, they can also go there. And then, of course, at the bottom is live prayer. We have people that are waiting to pray with you in a private chat um, if you need to pray with somebody today. So want to uh, jump right into today's uh, lesson. And, and I don't know uh, how many of you have ever had this experience, but I've done quite a bit of flying over my years and traveling. And I can remember twice that I was upgraded to first class. Have you ever been upgraded to first class? Have you ever had that experience where, you know, you bought a coach uh, seat and you're in the back with the herd and the screaming children and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but, but they decide for whatever reason to put you up. Well, um, I can remember this one time when I was traveling and they put me up into first class and it was like a different world. Like, like as soon as you sat down, the angels began to sing, you know what I mean? Like kind of, and, and it was just like whatever food you wanted or whatever you want to drink and this big comfortable chair, you know, and all this. And, and today's lesson, actually Ephesians 2, kind of has that kind of a feel to it, uh, because that really is the definition of grace. Grace is getting something that you really don't deserve. And that's kind of what we're going to get into. Last week in Ephesians 1, we, we highlighted a couple of concepts that we were chosen. He chose us, he adopted us, and he redeemed us, that we talked about that reality. And those words, you hear that, that is a plural statement, chose us right? Adopted us, redeemed us. That's, that's a group. That's all of us. This week, Paul is going to kind of turn, uh, when he gets into the first uh, verse of chapter two, he's going to turn from an us or a we to a you. He's going to make it really, really personal. So let's jump into this. Ephesians two verse one says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live when you followed the way of the world. And the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So let me give a little bit of background on this uh, to help us process what Paul's trying to say to us. Going back to the very beginning, there was a head angel named Lucifer. Lucifer rebelled against God 
And a third of the angels followed him. We now know him as Satan. He was cast out of heaven and sent to the earth and given some power. Uh, I mean, he's a very powerful being and sent to earth. And, and now when you read scriptures, you'll see things like the rulers of rulers and authorities and principalities of this world. That's what it's referring to. It's referring to Lucifer or Satan and those that followed him. So they've got this power and this authority. But at that time, God prepared a place for Satan and the angels that followed him for, for them called hell. I want you to hold on to that because hell was actually created for Satan and those that followed him. Now, here come Adam and Eve into the story. We see Adam and Eve. They choose not to do things God's way. And really, there's only two choices as they're standing there. And there's only two choices for us. There is the way of this world, which is the way of Satan, or there's the way of God. And so they have that moment and they choose not to do it God's way. They choose it Satan's way, which is me, I, and that is what we call sin. And we're going to talk a little bit about sinful nature. I think there are some myths that we have um, in our culture, especially, but really all over the world. And, and a couple quick myths, and both of them, I, I want you to hear, they're based in arrogance. They're based in because we have this sin nature inside of us. We're going to talk more about that in a second. But because we have that, there's an arrogance. There's a we we think we know better. We think we know more. The first myth I think that we that, that is rolling around in our culture is this: is that the main problem in the world is other people, <laughs> right? Like like our family's fine, but everybody else is crazy. Um, and 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 in following the ways of this world, there's there's disobedience, you know. And so when we say that, it's hard because we have a hard time looking in the mirror making these statements. Wait a minute. I'm a follower of the world. I'm disobedient. No, you must be talking about my neighbors. Uh, you know, and, and we do. We have this tendency to look at others as the problem. The second myth that I think that we deal with is that we are basically good people. That, that, that you know, occasionally I do bad things, but, you know, I'm a pretty good person. I try to do the right thing, and every once in a while I just mess up. So I, I don't really think I have a sin problem, to which I would respond this way. Okay, then just stop doing it. Just, just, just stop getting angry. Um, just stop cussing. Uh, just stop blowing up relationship after relationship. Just stop drinking. Just stop doing whatever that is. But you know what? The reality is, is you can't in your own power. And the reason is, is because, you know, you've read the books, you've prayed the prayers, but because we are sinners... We are destined to sin. Now, that is a hard concept that we're diving into here. In other words, you are born dead. You, you, we are dead in ourselves. Sin, listen to me, sin is not an action. Sin is not, I did this, so that was a sin. Listen, sin is a condition of the human heart. It's a condition that we're born in. We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. Uh, in other words, in the words of the great theologian, Lady Gaga, uh, baby, you were born this way. Like, that's the reality of our situation. And, and one of the responses that we might have to that is, you know, that's not fair. Like, that, that doesn't seem fair that I'm, you know, I'm born in this situation. Just, I just feel like that's not fair. And you know what? I, I would have to agree with you. I think it is completely unfair to God. That his creation, who he designed for relationship, and that he created 
to, to be in communion with, uh, with would rebel and disregard his desires. It's completely unfair, right? But just like a baby that is born to a drug addict, that baby is born addicted to drugs. Now you can go, well, that's not fair and that's not right. And, and you can do that all day. But guess what? That baby is still addicted to drugs. It's the same with us, that, that we can argue with it, we can push away from it, but the reality being is, is that we have a sin nature that we are born with. And, and are you still kind of struggling with that? There may be some of you who are still struggling with that concept. Somebody say it to you this way, look at children. <laughs> look at other people's children sometimes. You know, look at, look at in Walmart, in, you know, clean up in aisle four as he's freaking out on the floor. But, but I, I, I want to... I want you to think about this reality. You don't have to teach a child to be bad. Like, like no one ever has ever brought over their little one and go, come here, come here, come here. Okay, we're going to learn a new word today. Repeat after daddy. No. No. Like, you don't ever teach a child how to say no. They, it, just, it just comes. You, you don't bring little Johnny over and go, hey, I got a great one for you. Next time when you're in the back seat. What I want you to do is I want you to take your finger and get as close to your sister as you can without touching her. It's going to drive her nuts. You don't teach him that. And yeah, how do they come up with that? And you don't teach her, hey, when Johnny does that, smack him across the head. Like, no, but sitting in your car, you're having the battle. Why? Because we're born with a sinful nature. We can see it within ourselves. We can see it within our kids. We've got a sin problem. What is the middle letter of sin? It's I. It's an I problem. I want what I want. I want it the way I want it. (laughs) I want it when I want it. I want how I want it. I want where I want it. Like freedom is me being able to do whatever I want, whenever I want, however. No, 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 no. That's not how God designed things. And so the struggle we have is because of this sinful nature. Verse 3. All of us who also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desire and thoughts like the rest... We were by nature deserving of wrath, deserving of wrath. Boy, this is, this is some hard teaching this morning that I'm coming at that is so important for us to address in our belief system and what we understand. We are deserving of wrath. Now back to the I'm a basically good person argument, the, the, the wrestle inside of us, the arrogance inside of us going, well, I don't, I don't think I deserve wrath. Like I'm a pretty good. No, no, that's not what the Bible says. It, 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 and the question that usually comes at this point is, how can God be a good God and send people to hell? And I need to say this to you. God doesn't send people to hell because of our ancestors. They had a sinful nature. We inherited a sin nature. We inherited a pattern of life that leads us away from relationship with God and into relationship with this world and ultimately the devil. Hell is a place that we are all headed, not because God is mean and sadistic. It's a place that we're headed to because we are by nature following the ways of this world. Ultimately, the ways of Satan. See, hell, hell was created, I said at the beginning, hell was created for Satan and his followers. And unfortunately, just like the baby who was born with the addiction, whether we like it or not, whether we, and, and all that we can take up with God one day, reality is reality that we need to come to a place of understanding this is our reality. 
And, and, and there is good news, okay? So, so hold on here with me just a minute. But, but, but we need to understand the severity of our circumstance. Or we won't grasp the depth of God's grace. Like, we like bless me messages in, in church today. We like, you know, how God's going to take care of and give me abundance and overflow. And we have all these words that we like to say. But every once in a while, it's very, very healthy for us to remember the severity of our circumstance. For us to understand the greatness of what God's grace is. And until we understand what sin did to us, we won't grasp what God has done for us. If we don't understand how bad we are in nature then we can think maybe we don't need Jesus or we don't need the cross. And and, and then also we're not going to have an urgency about our neighbor because if we're looking at our neighbor and we're going, Oh, they're, they're probably pretty good. And you know, God's loving. And so it'll probably all work out in the end. That is just not biblical. And at this point you're going, wow, um, this is kind of heavy. Like, this is not why I had tuned into church this morning. I, I feel like I need to be encouraged. I don't need more bad news. And I know, listen to me, I know this is not exactly building your self-esteem this morning. But wait, just wait. Because what's about to happen in the verse, in this chapter, is the greatest conjunction that has ever happened. The greatest, and a conjunction is just a phrase or a word that connects one idea to another. Because the next verse starts like this. Catch this. But because of his great love for us, God, I entitled today's message, but God, but God, that we would understand the depth of the reality of what sin nature is, the depth of the reality of our situation. And then this verse, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, what's mercy? Mercy is not getting what you deserve, right? Because of, of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace that you have been saved. What is grace? That's the upgrade in, in, the, in, the, uh, in the plane. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. right? That, that there's nothing that we bring to the party. Nothing that we bring to the party. That is worth anything. It is all simply because of God's grace and his love and his passion for us. Verse six goes on. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming age, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Once you give your life to Jesus, we are seated with Jesus Right now, I don't care what your circumstance looks like here. You are seated with Jesus if you have given your heart and your life to him at some point. This is how God sees you. He sees you seated with Christ and righteous in this very moment. Now, up until this point, this is all conceptual. Like this is a, these are concepts that I'm bringing to you. But maybe we can help kind of drive home the point with some testimonies. Watch this. You see. 
should have brought some tissues <laughs> to put on the table here. Wow. Um, 
Man, it's one thing for us to read a concept. It's another thing to see transformed lives. It's, it's another thing to see the reality of what God can actually do in our life when we will acknowledge the reality of the depth of our sin nature. Uh, the depth of the theological word is depravity. Uh, again, that we bring nothing to the party. It is simply by his grace. Let me pick it up in verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That, that can get a little bit confusing, because the question that I'll often ask, and it's a trick question, I'll let you know beforehand, and that is, is Christianity a works religion? And immediately, usually people go, no, 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 it's not a works religion. And actually it is. It, it absolutely is a works religion. But what they mean by that is, do you have to do works to be saved? And that is no. We see right here, it says, it's a gift of God. Nothing from yourself, right? It's through faith. What is faith? Faith is that I believe something so deeply inside of me that I not only believe it, but you see my actions are changed because of that belief system. In other words, you can't just say, yeah, I believe in God. And, and, and that's the scenario. No, this faith, it's a saving faith. That's what's talked about in the scripture here. And it says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good, good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. Let me say it to you this way. Salvation is by grace, right? Salvation is by grace. But our faith is validated by good works. Now, listen to me very, very carefully. We don't do good works to perform for God. That's not what this says. We don't do it. And man, I don't know if you're like me, but I have a performance struggle. I mean, anybody else? I I find myself trying to do enough to where I think God's happy with me, uh, where I think God's pleased. You know, if if I can be a good enough pastor and if I can say the right words and and we try to do these things to, to perform For God, that's not the works that it's talking about here. The works that it's talking about here is actually a response. When you understand the depth of where you were, or maybe for some of you today where you are today, in your sin and and, and, and lacking in hope, or what it is that you're supposed to do, or purpose, or sense of fulfillment today, when you understand the reality of that, and then you understand the grace of God, which wants to come and give you life and overcome your your, your sin and overcome that sin nature. And, and as we always talk about the John 10, 10 life, that you would live a life that is full and abundant, right? We don't, we don't do works to perform for God. We do works as a response to his amazing grace. Let me pick it up in verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly you who were Gentiles, so um, Paul's talking here, And there's Jews and Gentiles. There's Jewish people and Gentiles are everybody else. So when he refers to the, you know, those of you may not understand that, that he's Jewish and, and Christ, when Jesus came, he came as a, as a Jewish person. He was Jewish himself, but then the gospel went to the Gentiles, everyone else. So he refers to, therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and are called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcised, 
which is done um, in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreign to the covenants of the promise, right? This is all kind of referring to Old Testament uh, type of stuff. Without hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one. In other words, we're all one now. Right? This is, this is the argument against racism. Okay, The two groups won and destroyed the barriers, the dividing wall of hostility. By setting aside in his flesh the law, right, the Old Testament, all these rules that we had to follow, with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. In other words, I would say it to you this way. Here's the summary. There's one race, the human race. There is one problem, sin. There is one solution, Jesus. There is one hope, true life through the resurrection of Jesus. That's that's the basics of, of what Paul is trying to say to us here. He goes on in verse 17. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access. We all have access. All people is what he's saying. All people have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are not, uh, no, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. You're in the family. Once you accept Christ and you understand the depth of your sin and depravity and the grace that is given to you, you are brought into the family of God, into his household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, which Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. While we were sinners by nature, complete depravity with bringing nothing to the party. Except sin. That's, that's all we could bring to the party. In that state, we don't perform for God and hope that he likes us. No, we accept a free gift. We accept the upgrade in the plane. We accept the reality there's nothing that I can do except surrender my life to Jesus and know that I have that hope. There's a true story about Muhammad Ali. Somebody was uh, interviewing him and asked him a religion question. And, uh, and uh, they said, well, Muhammad Ali, what do you think it's going to be like uh, when you go to heaven? And he said, you know what I think is going to happen is I think that they're going to weigh the good things that you do and the bad things that you do. And if the good things outweigh the bad things, then you get in. I think that's the the way a majority of, honestly, Americans today actually think. I think that's, we, we just think that that's, and I need you to hear it's completely unbiblical. It's not at all what the, the Bible describes. It's amazing some of the research that they have today that like 87% of people who are polled say they believe in heaven. But only like 15% say they believe in hell. And I need you to hear something this morning. The scripture is very clear. Heaven and hell are very real places. They're very real places. And hell was not prepared for you. It was prepared for Satan. 
But the reality being of us understanding the depravity of our sin, that, that, that we need a Savior to have that connection back to God. And you need that connection today. The reason that I can argue that it's not how much you perform or how good you can do is because the symbol of our faith is a cross, not a scale. See, it's not going to be weighed good and bad. What's going to simply be done is, is your name written in the book? And the reason your name is written in the book, in the book of life, as the scripture says, is because you have surrendered your life and your heart to Jesus Christ. So let me ask you, how do you respond today to Ephesians 2? What, what is your response? Because for some of you, today your response might be to give your life to Jesus for the very first time, to pray a simple prayer of salvation and say, I, I want to be a part of God's household today. And I've never had a time when I've done that. And then I was thinking about it. What would it look like if you've been a believer for a long time today and you hear this today? What is, what is a recommitment look like today? And you know what I think a recommitment looks like is, is one that you remember where you were and, and, and where you are now. And that's going to lead you to worship, which we're going to do in just a moment. And I just challenge you to respond in worship today for God's great grace and his, his mercy and his amazing love for us. But also when you're brought back to this reminder, the reminder that no, my neighbor doesn't have a scale. There's a cross. That there's an urgency. My recommitment today might be, you know what? I need to recommit to sharing my faith to the people that are around me. The, the urgency of the reality of, of eternity for them and in their lives. How else can you respond? You can respond with praying with somebody today. If this stirred something particular, or a particular issue inside of you, you can respond in, in giving today. I give because not because I feel like I have to, right? Remember, we're not performing. It's not duty. It's response. God, because of your amazing grace, I want to give today. Because of your amazing grace, I want to give you my heart today. Because of my amazing grace, I want to share that with the people around me. Because of your amazing grace, I want to serve. Because of your amazing grace, I, I just I just want to tell everybody about this reality that they can understand the fulfillment that they can have in life today. So I want to pray for you today, but I want to really challenge you to respond today. What is your response to what Paul has said to us, to what God's word has said in Ephesians chapter two, let me, let me pray for you this morning. Father, thank you for your word. And, and God, I thank you personally for that reminder of, of my depravity, of the depth of my sin. And that while I brought nothing to the party, you loved me and sought me and chased me down and brought me to you. And for anyone today that needs to do that, I pray you give them courage to pray that prayer. To pray a simple prayer like this, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Give me new life today. I want to serve you. Today I choose by faith to make you Lord of my life. And as best as I can understand today, I'm going to serve you and live out the rest of my days for you. Father, for those that feel a need to commitment, a a recommitment today, for those that maybe um, have this urgency, somebody popped into their mind that they need to sit down and share their faith with. Uh, that, that we think about our, our giving and our worship. And in just a moment, we're going to give worship back to you, God. Give us boldness and courage to not just hear today's message and make it knowledge, but to respond in action into what you've said into each one of our hearts today. So we thank you, Father, for this. 
And right now we take a moment to just worship you and give you honor and praise. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Before you go and as we're starting to worship, if you need to pray with somebody, hit prayer. If you made a commitment today, hit that button that says raise, raise your hand. We would love to follow up with you. Be blessed and let's worship.
just lift you high in this place and God we just say that we trust in you God we look to you for direction God you are our chief cornerstone so God even in these moments of uncertainty God, we look to you more than ever. God, you know the beginning from the end. Nothing surprises you. Nothing shocks you. So God, in these moments, we believe that you will look after your sons and your daughters. God, we put our faith in you. That God, nothing will shake us. God, nothing will turn us around. God, we look to you. So God, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.